Are you ever nervous about how much control Amazon, eBay, Facebook, Google, and all those other big boys have over your online business? End the worry. Jim says he's going to tell us the simple solution that's been right in front of us since the mid-90s. Let's talk about email. Yes, I said email. Jim's going to talk about that ancient tech solution in a way you've never heard before. Take it away, Jim. I got to go check my inbox. Hey, welcome back. I'm excited about today's broadcast. I'm Jim. This is Silent Sales Machine Radio. Let's jump in and talk about email marketing. Now, some people have shelved the concept of email marketing, and it's a huge mistake. What I mean by shelving is they've stopped talking about it. They've started thinking, oh, well, Facebook is way more exciting. Twitter is more exciting. Social media is where it's at. Amazon's where it's at. And they've completely abandoned what I call the most powerful form of one-to-many communication ever invented by man. The return on investment for email marketing is undeniably the strongest business investment, the strongest advertising investment that any business can make. And the cool thing is you don't really even need to invest any money to get going. I've taught thousands of people how to use email. Email has been the core foundation of my business. All of my most serious and most successful students and clients understand the importance and the value of email. You will never have a more valuable business asset than a list of people who can't wait to hear from you. And if you want to truly own that list in a way that's not possible through any other format, email is the way to go. You may say, well, Jim, I've got a big Facebook group. Yes. And guess what? Facebook could decide one day they don't like you and they could delete the whole thing. Did you know that? It happens. Well, Jim, I've got a huge Twitter following. Well, maybe you haven't been reading the news lately. Twitter's been deciding they don't like certain people and just deleting their accounts. Heard about that? Those kinds of things happen. With Amazon even, for my Amazon selling friends, we love Amazon. And yes, we're helping some folks navigate through suspension issues, and we may have a show on that at some point. Your odds of being permanently suspended and having no options are very slim, but it does happen. People lose their eBay accounts. They lose their Amazon accounts. All these other big Scary, impersonal platforms where we build our businesses have an associated risk because you're putting your future and your business in the hands of a big, scary, impersonal third-party website that while, yes, they need us as a group, they don't need us as individuals all that badly. And they've written the rules in such a way that they can push a button one day if they feel grumpy and make you go away. That's just the reality of online business. So this shouldn't be anything new to you, but what I am going to discuss that might be new, and maybe you're very familiar with email marketing. I think even if you've been doing email marketing a long time, I'm going to have some really good golden nuggets for you today. So let's talk about email marketing, why you should be at least having it in the back of your mind and have a plan to someday do it, someday in the near future, start growing your list, and why it's not nearly as complicated as you might be thinking it is. And I'm going to address a lot of the concerns that you have. And this is a topic, by the way, that we cover in depth in the Silent Sales Machine book. Actually, I pulled out, it used to be the longest chapter in the book. I pulled it out, made it a special report. And you also get my $100 email marketing course. If you buy the Silent Sales Machine book, you get my $100 how to use email the right way course. You get inside of my head for about six or eight hours as we really dig in. Today, I'm going to hit the surface level stuff, though. I'm just going to convince you that you should be thinking about email marketing. I'm going to give you some very specific ways to get going, to grow your list, to make sure that you have maximum use of that list as it starts growing, and give you some cool success stories. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, I don't remember who first told me about the power of email marketing. It would have been in the mid-90s, though. And that's when email marketing first started taking off. And back then, there were just so many spammers. Even as early as the late 90s, people were saying, oh, email will never last. There's so much spam now. I'm getting so much email. It was cool there for about four years to get an email. And then the spammers started, and they were scraping addresses and bombarding people with email. You don't want to get mixed in with the spammers. The only kind of email address you should ever have in your marketing database are people who have said they want to be there. And for me personally, 
I use opt-in, double opt-in, meaning the person says they want to be there. Then they click a link in an email saying, yes, I really meant that. I really do want to be on your email list. And the service I use that I used for over a decade is AWeber. I still love AWeber, A-W-E-B-E-R. There's several out there. There's MailChimp and Constant Contact, and there's many other options out there. But the thing I really like about AWeber is they let me keep it simple. They really have a very robust platform. I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, AWeber beneath this. I'll have my affiliate link down there, or you can just go to AWeber.com. If you don't mind me making a couple bucks off of you checking them out, if you end up using them, use my affiliate link. Otherwise, just go to AWeber.com. They'll step you right through it. Because one of the things you can't do is just fill up your CC or your BCC field on your email and send an email to 100 or 500 people. That's going to get caught in the spam filters. Eventually, as your list grows, if you use the strategies I'm going to teach you today, your list will grow and you're going to want to use a robust tool like AWeber. So I've had several of my best sales days, guys. Most of the most significant days where you just saw these huge spikes, this is how I sell out an event in a single day. This is how I roll out a new product to my audience. I send out an email announcement. My list has never been more powerful Though, then when my readers feel like there's an intimate connection there, when they feel like I'm actually talking to them. And that's one of the big tips I want to give you with email. Just because your list grows to a hundred people, then 500 people, 5,000 people, now mine a few hundred thousand people, it doesn't mean that you're not talking to individuals when you write. Even with this podcast right now, I want you to know that I'm doing my best to envision talking directly to you, one person that's sitting there taking notes and ready to ask questions and engaged in the conversation. And I know we can't do that virtually because thousands of people listen to this, but that's the mindset that you have to have. So one of my rules of email marketing is I write to one person and that's one person who I really like, I really trust, I really care for, who's relying on me for good information and insight. And if I wouldn't say the things I'm about to say to that person that I know, like, trust, and love, then I don't say them. It's that simple. So one of the rules of email copywriting, and you know, you can buy big expensive courses and they'll teach you how to use the big powerful keywords and the right emotional phrases. And you know, that's great. But just think about it this way. If someone's going to recommend a restaurant to you, like one of your friends checks out the new steakhouse downtown, it's like, oh dude, listen, you gotta go check out that steakhouse. I think you'll really like it. I loved it. I got the T-bone and they do this thing with their baked potatoes. It's just really awesome. I've never had one that good. You got to go check it out. That's the tone that you want in your email marketing. You're talking to a friend who trusts you. And it's a very fragile arrangement because if you burn that trust, all they got to do is click unsubscribe or say that you're a spammer and they're gone. This is why I love simple text message email. Here's your big golden nugget for those of you who are doing email marketing. I don't care how long you've been doing it. Split test this concept. Send one or two sentences kind of like I just told you about this new steak restaurant, make it sound like that. Just real genuine. And you better believe in it because if you're trying to make people think that you believe in something when you really don't, they're going to see through it really fast. But if you've got a great idea or a great concept, just send them a couple sentences. Hey, I thought you'd be interested in this. It's something I checked out. I really love it. You need to go check it out yourself. And then I'll link. That's how humans email each other, right? Like if I want to email my buddy and talk about getting together next week, I don't send him a big flashy HTML eight color brochure with links and pictures all over it. No, I say, hey man, I'm watching a game next week. You want to swing by? That's the tone of the email. Spelling doesn't matter necessarily. I'm not saying misspell words intentionally. I'm just saying communicate as if you're communicating to a friend. That's how I use email. Now, sure, I send out a newsletter, but we don't do anything big flashy HTML ever in email. And it's not because of this debate over which one is more deliverable. It's because I just think it looks more real. And we have plenty of evidence that to be real with email means you're going to get better results. That's what people respond to. So that's one of the golden nuggets I wanted to throw in there for those of you who've been doing email for a while. Now, those of you who haven't started an email list yet, I'm going to spend plenty of time talking to you about that. So hang in there. But I just wanted to throw out something for those of us who have been doing email for a while, something that you can test. Because a lot of people think that I've got to, if I'm going to send an email to a lot of people, boy, it better look fancy. 
That's just not the case. It doesn't have to. It can be very simple. And I like AWeber because it's very easy for me to send plain text emails and uh, just blast them out. And the first few times that you hit a button and send an email out to 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 people, you can be a little nervous. But then you realize, hey, it's like I'm sending one email, but I'm just doing it over and over again many, many times. And a software is allowing me to do that. It's a beautiful thing. And again, I'll pound this into your head and remind you over and over again, the number one asset you can have is a list of people who can't wait to hear from you. So no matter what your product is, what you're selling, or even if you're just trying to grow an audience around a passionate niche of yours, email marketing is the way to go. I would even say this. Let's say you're very active in social media. Let's talk again about Facebook and Twitter. Remember, we said they could shut you down in a heartbeat if they want to. Well, that's why I say the number one use of social media, the absolute best purpose behind having any kind of social media account, it could be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of the new sites that haven't come out yet that are going to be huge in the future. The best business use of those is to grow your email list. Well, Jim, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I try to grow an email list when I've got a huge audience right there? Because they could shut you down at any moment. And because you can communicate anytime you want to your full list. Even Facebook now, I don't know if you've noticed, but just because someone's in your group or they're following you, they're on your list, they're one of your friends, they don't see everything you post. Facebook is really starting to put the squeeze on people with big followings saying, hey, if you want to communicate to everybody who's following you, you're going to have to pay us a few dollars. Well, not so with email marketing. With email marketing, I mentioned the return on investment earlier. With email marketing, the return on investment is something like one to 50. For every dollar spent doing email marketing the right way, you should be putting about $50 in the bank. There's just no other form of marketing ever before that has had those kind of numbers associated with it. And I know there's some experts out there that say email marketing is dead or dying. Yeah, I've been hearing them since the late 90s while I've been filling my bank account because I've been teaching people how to do email marketing the right way. Well, Jim, open rates aren't what they used to be. Yeah, I know they aren't, but it's still way better than anything else out there. Far better. So one of the things that we do, this is another golden nugget for those of you who have been doing email marketing for a while. And if you're a newbie, listen up because I'm going to address that issue of email open rates. One of the things we do, we started doing a few years ago, that's very effective is when we send out an email blast, you can know who has opened and who hasn't opened that email. So a couple days later, you send the same blast again to everybody who didn't open it the first time. And what you'll find is you'll get about 50% of the results you got with the first mailing. And then you can do it again a third time if you want. So people who didn't open it the first time and didn't open it the second time might open it the third time. So you send the same message again a third time. And then you'll get another 30 to 50% result of what you got with the previous mailing. And you can do that until it trickles out as long as you want. Why not? You're not spamming them. They signed up for your list. Your prospects haven't opened the email. They Maybe they missed it. Open rates aren't what they used to be. People have full inboxes. So you send them the message four or five times. And if they don't open it and they're ignoring it, send it to them again. If they want to get off your email list, there's a link. That's the beauty of AWeber. There's a link at the bottom and all these are called autoresponder services. I mentioned MailChimp and Constant Contact. My favorite, AWeber. GetResponse is another one. They all have a link at the bottom. By law, they help you stay legal so you're not breaking any email rules. People can click and unsubscribe anytime they want to. So yes, mail frequently. I actually surveyed my list one time and I said, hey guys, how often do you want me to email you? This has been years ago, but I learned a lesson very quickly. I gave them several neat categories that they could choose from. I said, do you want to hear from me every two weeks? Do you want to hear from me every week? Do you want to hear from me monthly? You know, what do you think and how often? And virtually no one picked the set schedule. We all want to be, put things on a set schedule for some reason. Like it's going to be a weekly newsletter. It's got to be every two weeks and it's got to be on a Tuesday at three o'clock and you put all this pressure on yourself. Guess what? No one cares. Yeah, nobody cares. If you skip a newsletter, no one will complain. And you might get two or three people who are paying attention. Most people won't even notice or care. So it's not about sticking to a schedule. Nobody cares about your precious schedule for email marketing. Now, if it's a matter of you being disciplined and making sure it happens, that's fine. That's cool. The schedule, maybe it helps you, but trust me, your audience doesn't care about your silly schedule. 
All they want is, and this is what my survey told me, they want the good information when you have it. If you have something worth sharing, share it. I mean, let's use our steak restaurant example again. So my buddy's got this great steak restaurant. He's going to send me an email and tell me about it. I say, whoa, 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 buddy. Tuesdays between 3 and 5 p.m. are the only days that I want you to send me information about the cool restaurants that you found and want me to check out, okay? We agreed to this. You told me we were on that schedule, right? I mean, how silly is that? No, you're building a relationship. These are genuine relationships. So when you have something cool to share, you send it. Some days you might have two things to send in one day, and then there's a two-week gap, and you don't hear anything. And then you send them another little short something. And then there's a three-week gap. And you don't hear anything. That's how real life works. That's how real relationships work. You know, when you're emailing people back and forth. So be like that. That's what I do. I don't have a schedule. I used to have an every Tuesday newsletter. And then I said, you know what? I can't do it this Tuesday. Maybe I'll do it Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday or just skip a week. And you know how many people complained? My list was 100,000 people at the time. We had two people notice. At first, my feelings were a little hurt, but then I thought, well, they don't care about my silly schedule, and that's the lesson I'm driving home to you. Email marketing doesn't have to happen on a set schedule. I will, however, caution you. We talked a little bit about this in the Jason Miles episode. If you're going to go back and check out the episode with Jason Miles, we talked a little bit about email marketing. That was episode number eight, where we talked about being faithful when you commit to something, being faithful. That doesn't mean it has to be on a schedule, but it does mean you can't abandon these people. I'll give you a specific example from businesses I've consulted with and, and counseled. They say, well, Jim, okay, here's what we've got. We've got an email list of, of 70,000 people. And I'll say, well, I've got to ask you a question. How much time did it take you to grow that list? And when's the last time you sent them something? I'll say, oh, okay, well, this is every customer who's bought anything from us in the last 12 years. And we've never emailed them. I say, what you've got is a stale list. We're going to need to scrub that up a little bit because what you've probably got is a list of about 5,000 people who still care. Because if we send a blast out to those 70,000 and we say, hey, we're starting up a new email service. We're going to put our best customers in here, give you great discounts and information on X, Y, and Z. Are you interested? If so, click this link. And of those 70,000 people that you've never contacted or followed up with, maybe 10% of them will be interested in sticking with you. Because you've never sent them anything of value. Why should they care? So if you start blasting them with ads, you're going to get spam complaints. And in the industry, just so you know, if you get more than one out of a thousand, so say you send a thousand people an email and three people complain, ah, that's kind of an unacceptable spam complaint rate, which is why I use opt-in. People opt into my list and then they confirm that they want to be on the list. And then I only send them the good stuff. And it's not as hard as it might sound. It really isn't as hard as it might sound to keep people very happy with your email marketing. Just make sure you're sending them good stuff. Don't beat them up with promotion after promotion or they'll unsubscribe. And unsubscribe is not a spam complaint. It's just someone saying, huh, I'm kind of done with you sending me information. You sell too much stuff. And they unsubscribe and they go away automatically. That's the beauty of using an autoresponder, by the way, is people can join the list. They can change their own email address if they want. They can add themselves to the list. It's all happening behind the scenes. You just check the stats and send good information when you want to send it. One of the cool things that we always do is we set up autoresponder series for all new subscribers. So on day one, they get a certain message. On day five, they get another message. On day seven, they get the third message. And that's set up intentionally in such a way to introduce people to our audience, to what we're all about, little short snippets at a time, and it's completely automated. So you can slowly begin to build a relationship with your new prospects and tell them what you're all about. That's what some people refer to as a drip campaign. And any autoresponder service, if you spend, I told you about my email marketing class, the $97, $100 course that I give you free if you buy the Silent Sales Machine book for five bucks. If you spend a couple hours with that, you'll know all you need to know about email marketing. You really will. It hasn't changed in a decade. The basics of email marketing simply has not changed. So that course, yes, it is four or five years old, but it's as up-to-date and relevant and current and as powerful as anything you could buy right now. Email marketing game has not changed forever. If anything, I'm more right now than I was then because people completely ignore big, shiny, fancy emails. They just do. When you send an email to someone, you want to use their name. They want to know who it's from. It needs to be from a person. 
Never seen send an email to someone and XYZ Corporation shows up in the from. You want it to be from you. You want your name in the from field. And they'll start to know who you are. People open email from other people. They don't open email. I mean, just next time you're going through your inbox, what do you do? You scroll through, and if it's from a company or a business or a business-sounding name, you ignore it. If it's from a person, your eyes are drawn to it. So your email needs to be from a person, and people will open it. Okay, so how about I remind you of a cool success story with email from very recent podcasts. Uh, This is, again, my buddy Mike Brown, Death Wish Coffee. If you've listened to other episodes, you've heard me talk about him again. But the reason he's such a great example is because he's run the gamut. His business went from zero to probably will be sold for tens of millions at some point. He'll be having offers and trying to decide if he wants to accept them or not at some point in the future. His passion is coffee. So as far as I know, he'll be doing this for 30 years. But his biggest days, if you didn't catch it, this was in the interview that I did with him. It was the interview that uh, had a kind of sketchy audio, so maybe you missed some of it. But he told me in that interview where we were on stage in front of a live audience, and I asked him about email marketing, and he said, it's the most powerful asset that I have. It's the most important component of his business, not his coffee or his own intelligence or his brand or his marketing strategy or social media presence or his customer fan base online or people who are spreading the word mouth to mouth, a word of mouth, spreading it around about his brand. You know, all those things are great and important, but the most powerful asset he has is his email marketing list because he contacted me. This is one day in the middle Months after his Super Bowl ad, okay, because remember, he had an ad that went out in front of 115 plus million people who saw his ad on the Super Bowl. It was completely free. He didn't pay a dime for it. And of course, his business blew up. And if for some reason you haven't heard that story yet, go see Pick Mike Brown, okay? PickMikeBrown.com. That's the website. But the bigger point I'm making is he had his biggest day ever months after the Super Bowl ad exposure, had that wave had already played out. It was about six, seven months after that. He had his best day ever because he sent an email blast to his list with a promotion, very simple promotion. And he had his best sales days ever. So his list of tens of thousands of people, I think it's a few hundred thousand now, outperformed exposure to 115 million strangers on TV. And just think of it this way, too. Which one cost him more? I know for a fact that the commercial that they ran on TV, now Mike didn't pay this. Remember, he won the social media contest. We helped vote him into, among thousands of other businesses, our community got behind him and voted him and helped him win the most votes. So he got the free commercial. But the company that sponsored it paid over $5 million for that 30-second ad spot in front of 115 million people, that would have been a terrible investment for Mike on his own. He wouldn't have made that money back. But with email marketing for a few dollars, he had a better sales day a few months later because he sent an email blast to his targeted list across multiple categories on Amazon to the point where we're not reliant on Amazon anymore. We've got the audience. See, Amazon kind of holds us hostage, right? They don't let you grow an email list. If you're brand new to Amazon, maybe you didn't know this, but Amazon considers the customers their customers. They don't let you build a relationship with their customers. Well, what if you were to grow a large email list and then say, hey guys, my product's for sale on Amazon. Here's the link. And then one day Amazon doesn't like you or they raise their rates or they change what they charge you to store in their warehouse. Well, you can go around and you can move your product to your own website build a Shopify site or you know, build some other website, have someone who knows how to build websites, put up one together. Now you're selling from your own website. So you email your list and say, hey, we're not selling on Amazon anymore. The price has got too high. We want to save you guys some money. We're selling it from our own place now. You have that option because you've got an email list now, right? That's the power of email. It doesn't matter what the big boys do. So here we are on Facebook growing large mailing lists, and we've done this multiple times now across multiple categories on Amazon for multiple private label products. Huge. I'm talking tens of thousands of subscribers in a few weeks. That's how fast things can happen on Facebook once you know what you're doing. So we're very obviously very excited about that. 
like I mentioned, putting hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales in the bank a week each week for multiple product lines. And we're going to be offering this service to clients as well very soon. We don't have it completely ironed out, but it's coming um, where we'll do all the work for you. You just bring us the widget and tell us you want to sell it and we'll do it all. We'll set it up. So that's coming. It's not going to be cheap, obviously, and we'll be able to prove our results before we take your money and proceed with the process. But we're very excited about the results we're seeing there. Obviously, uh, it's new stuff, but it all comes back to email marketing, which is the topic that we're on today. Email marketing, the most powerful form of one-to-many communication ever invented for business. You say, well, well, Jim, radio is more powerful. Well, radio is not targeted. Television broadcasting isn't targeted. That's just casting your message far and wide to a bunch of random strangers, most of whom we all know aren't going to care. But with email marketing, people have signed up and they've said, they've opted in and said, yes, on topic X, I want more information from you. Please inform me more on that topic. And then you just start delivering free content and information. The ratio that I like to tell people is keep it to about 70-30. 70% of what you share is just great, free information, content. Gary Vaynerchuk calls it the jab, jab, jab. You know, you're jabbing, you're jabbing. You're giving them good information. You're giving them good content. You're giving them free videos. You're giving them stuff that they think to themselves, wow, he just keeps giving me stuff. It doesn't cost you anything to give away digital content. Like this podcast right now, this is me telling you who I am, delivering you some value. I'm not charging you any money for any of this. And over time, eventually, you're going to decide, "Ah, I might spend some money with this guy. He sounds like he knows what he's doing. Or you might decide, I can't stand that dude's voice. The microphone he's using, it just grates on my ears. I got to go listen to something else. I mean, you're going to make a decision at some point. And for me, it really doesn't matter long term if a certain percentage of people go away and think I'm annoying as long as there's a certain percentage of people that do like my free stuff, because all it costs me is a little bit of my time to produce this and put it out there. And that's how email marketing works too. Just be who you are, be genuine, be useful, truly care about those people, and then let them decide if they want to stick around or not. And the cost of going through that process is so low. And what you wind up with after doing this for weeks and months and years is a group of ravenous fans who've been with you for a long time now, and you can do no wrong because you've been speaking their language from day one. It it reminds me a little bit of the childhood lesson. Do you ever have anyone tell you this? The nice thing about always telling the truth is that you never have to remember what you said, right? You just tell the truth. It's the, the people who spend their time telling little lies here and a little lie there and like, ooh, who did I lie to? I can't remember. Was it Joe or Eddie that I lied to about X, Y, and Z? I can't remember. And you have to remember what you said and who you said it to. It's just so much easier just to tell the truth. Just be who you are. Say what you believe. Speak from your heart in your email when you're recording an audio. Be genuine. Be who you are. And then that's going to resonate with some people. and With other people, it's not. But you don't have to change who you are. A mistake a lot of people make is they try to become this person, this persona that they think their audience wants, and then they have to remember who it is that they think their audience wants every time that they're addressing their audience. It's just misery. Why do that? If I'm annoying to you, stop listening to my podcast. If I'm not, keep listening to more. We're going to build a beautiful relationship together. This is me. If you see me on stage, see me in an event, see me walking down the hall at a mall in town, this is me. There's not some separate persona that I put on when I'm in front of my audience. So don't do that with email marketing either. Okay, so do you want to talk about some ways to grow an email list? Let's talk about you're starting off, you have no list. I've sold you, convinced you on the idea that you need to start growing your list. What are you going to send them might be one of your concerns. And I've told you, you know, you can't let the list go stale, but just send them good free content and ideas, articles of interest, topics that, you know, blog posts, maybe it's other people's. One of the most genuine things you can do with your email list is send them content that has been created by other people. That tells your email list and your readers and your fans and subscribers that it's not all about you. When you see a good idea, see what they want out of you is they want you to be a filter. I often say that if I had to put something on a business card, I would probably put human filter because that's what my audience relies on me to do. I filter ideas. They don't care if it's my idea or my buddy Brett's idea or some stranger I met at a conference. I don't care whose idea it is. All they care is, is it good? So in other words, they're saying, are you a good filter of ideas? So as long as you are a good filter of ideas, they will continue to listen. I'm a curator 
I'm the equivalent of the guy at the museum who decides what art's going to hang on the wall. I'm a curator. You don't expect the curator at your local museum to be the guy that painted all the, that art, do you? No, of course not. All you want is someone who's good at filtering and putting the good stuff out there. That's what I do. I curate content. I filter ideas. And my audience likes the service I provide, or they'd go, or otherwise they'd go away. That's how I know they like it. So I curate ideas. I listen to, I would say for every 30 ideas I'm exposed to, one of them floats and meets my standard of being relevant, current, exciting, something that can help people move their business forward in a way they probably haven't heard. That's one of the reasons why this show isn't just author after author after. I think that's lazy podcasting. Today, we've got author X, and he wrote a book on topic X. And it's like, holy cow, how many people are going to write a book on topic X over and over and over again? It's the same stuff. So my filter is, hey, this is something people haven't heard. It's not just some dude that wrote a book and we're going to try to sell some copies of his book today and talk about how interesting his life is. Like, I can't stand those podcasts, guys. I'd much rather hear from someone who didn't have a business three months ago and now they have an exciting, thriving business. They did some stuff that no one else has thought of. Now, that person, they don't have a book yet. You know, that's how I put on my stage. They don't even have a book. They haven't even thought of writing a book. They're just making a bunch of money because they use the internet creatively, combining some ideas they heard from me with some ideas I heard from someone else and look at them go. Like, that's the dude I want to talk to. That's who I partner with. That's who our coaches are. It's not people who have a book to sell. Plenty of good people have great books. I'm not anti-book. I'm just saying, I think that's kind of lazy podcasting sometimes. Hey, I've got an audience. Why don't we come talk about your book? Uh, no, that's not, not what you're going to get from me. I do more serious filtering than that. You're capable of going on Amazon and seeing what the latest hot books are, deciding which ones you want to read based on the reviews. You don't need me to do that for you. My filter's running at a different level. I'm looking for those exciting success stories that I can bring you, like this stuff that Brett's doing on Facebook. There's no book for that yet. No one else is doing that stuff yet. I think that's why you like this podcast. You're detecting that. I'm not going to get lazy on you. Okay, so I said we we're going to share some ways to grow your list. I've talked a little bit about what you're going to send them, you know, how to filter and how to provide some value there. It's not that hard to find out what to send them. And if you run out of ideas, this is a golden nugget. This is for everybody. This is for all three groups of people who might be listening to this. Survey your list. Use SurveyMonkey. Hey, guys, I've been growing this list for a while now. I'm thinking about maybe some different topics that are interesting to me, but I want to make sure it's interesting to you. Here's topic X, topic Y, and topic Z, or fill in the blank. This is a huge tip for you now. When you run surveys, always have a fill in the blank text area where people can write what they think. And then you'll be surprised at the results you get back, the survey results. And, and people will check boxes and tell you some different things with those, but I always go straight to the text responses where people have taken the time to write something. And then my eyes go straight to that handful of people, that 5% of your audience who spent some time and wrote three paragraphs. Those people are your future community leaders, your most exciting success stories waiting to happen. The people who are truly engaged, the people who have listened to, those are the people who have listened to each of my podcast episodes four times, right? Those people, you can make them a moderator in your Facebook group. You have them come a day early to your event and help set up because they just love being a part of everything you're all about. Those are the ones that your message really resonates with. Pay attention to those people. They will help direct the future. They will write articles for your newsletter. They will contribute to the blog. They will come up with the content. Let them help. They want to help. So when you do a survey, again, I love surveymonkey.com. You can set it up in a few minutes. It's, there's even a free version. Make sure to include, hey, tell us your thoughts. What do you think we should do next in our business? What other products do you think we could supply? And your audience tells you exactly what they want and then pay specific attention to those people who write long responses and use a lot of words describing what they think you should do next. Those people are the future of your business. They can help drive it forward. So Jim, I don't have a list yet. What are some of the things you've done to grow your list? Here's some things I've done, some creative things people have done with me. I've talked a lot about gatekeepers in the past. Episode one of this podcast, I talked about gatekeepers, that live presentation in Vegas, that keynote. It was probably maybe the first time you heard me talk about gatekeepers. If you go to someone who has an audience that you wish you had, 
it's kind of like the Oprah effect is what I equate it to. You know, people went on Oprah, not so they'd get to f- spend a few minutes with Oprah, but because they would get in front of Oprah's audience. That was the big deal about being on Oprah, right? Getting her autograph. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Okay, I got Oprah's autograph now. Big deal. Here's the cool thing. I got in front of Oprah's audience. And now a lot of those people in her audience think I'm cool. I made Oprah look good while I was there. I delivered some value to her audience while I was on her show. And now 8% of her audience thinks I'm the bomb and they're following me and buying my book. Well, in this case, we use the email marketing concept and we find these gatekeepers, these people who have the audience that you'd like to have someday. And you find a creative way to create a three-way win. And some of the things that, you know, I used to be in the position where I was pursuing people with big audiences. Now people kind of pursue me with ideas and they bring me content. I have people say, hey, Jim, okay, here's a book I've written. I want to make you the co-author. So I want you to write the foreword and go through and add in your ideas and then just give this book to your audience. And what do they get in return? Well, they get exposure next to someone who has credibility in front of a large audience. So author X is one author. And me, Jim Cockrum, I'm the co-author, and the foreword is by me, and the content is 90% them, but I've interjected my ideas. And now their name is right next to my name on this virtual stage as this book goes out to my audience. And people will say, oh, well, who is this guy? He's got some interesting ideas. Oh, this young lady has a future. She's got some creativity in her, and their audience is reading it and seeing what you've created. And they get on your mailing list or they find you on Facebook or Twitter and they follow you. See, so you, that's how you work with gatekeepers, but you got to bring the value. If you send me an email saying, uh, Hey Jim, here's an opt-in box that I set up on this website over here. Would you send everyone on your mailing list over to my opt-in box, please? You won't even get a reply. Obviously there's no value there for me. I don't know what value you're going to bring to my audience. Why would I ever do that? So it's a three-way win. My audience has to win. I have to win. And of course, If you make those two things happen, you're going to win as well for having been associated with the process. That's how the gatekeeper process works in all cases. I've helped many, many businesses get to the next level with that three-way win gatekeeper strategy. It's a beautiful, fast way to grow your email list. Something else I'm going to encourage you to do. You may not get this advice from many other places, but this is the way I've done it. And I'll just tell the story. Here's a story. Okay. I had someone contact me one time and they said, well, Jim, my, my internet business is starting to take off. I've read some of your books, taken a couple of courses, love it. I'm putting a lot of money in the bank, a lot more than I'm making from my real job, uh, which he was, this guy was involved in ministry and did some counseling and things. If I recall, and he said, but here's my challenge. I'm having trouble keeping those two worlds separate. I'm worried that someone that I know in real life is going to get on my mailing list and I don't know if that's okay. I mean, I'm not doing anything I'm ashamed of, obviously, but I'm trying to keep those two worlds separate. Can you help me? Should I come up with a pin name or, you know, and I said, no, dude, you want to put your real name on everything you do and be proud of it. When you send an email to people, it's not coming from your company because no one will open that. It's coming from you and it's your real name and you stand behind it. You let your integrity and your virtue just be out there on display for all to see and your worldview right out there for all to see. Some people aren't going to like it. That's fine. A lot of people will. There is a real vacuum of genuine, caring people who put their name proudly on everything they do, and it will give you a huge advantage in email marketing. Use your real name. Use your real face. Use recent pictures of yourself. They don't have to be glamorous. This is you. This is who you are. That will resonate. So that's another big email marketing tip is don't try to keep it all separate. There's just no need for that. Don't just use your first name thinking you're being slick and people think, oh, well, there's an email from Ed. Well, they know 50 Eds. Put your last name on there. Everything you do, first name, last name. Have a way for them to contact and follow you. Be genuine about it. If you're involved in three or four different businesses, that's fine. Have your name on all of them. People will think it's interesting that you're able to manage multiple income streams. That's what I do. My name's on everything. People can find me anywhere and everywhere. I'm not hiding anything from anyone. Full transparency. Because people are shocked by that these days. It gives you a huge advantage in email marketing. Well, this has been one of those episodes where I felt like I I kind of wandered around the topic. And in any one of these segments of this whole conversation, I could have gone an hour deeper on the topic. But I didn't want to do an in-depth email marketing. I, did, I can't. I need about six to eight hours, really. And that would bore you. You'd, I'd put you to sleep. But hopefully, you're seeing the power 
the community building power. When I say community building, you know, a, a Facebook group is a very good next logical step once you've got a bit of an email list going. We've got our very powerful Facebook group, our My Silent Team group. Again, the link's in the show notes, and you can go to silentgym.com and join our Facebook group. Because ultimately, email marketing isn't only about me communicating directly to you. It's about me identifying the people that my message really resonates with. And once I've identified that group of people that my message really resonates with, there's nothing more powerful than getting them together virtually or as we've discussed in previous episodes, in real life, our sold-out events, jimcockramevents.com. You know, these are the people, the people who've been on my mailing list for five, six, seven, eight, 12 years in some cases. That is just loyalty that's immeasurable. And they become your biggest fans and advocates. So you set up a Facebook group. And remember, the number one use of social media is to grow your email list. So when these big fans and followers, these people who think you're awesome, are, are hanging out with you, uh, and by the way, let me, let me just throw down a gauntlet for the industry here real quick. Let me help you decide if you're going to buy courses. This is a freebie. Let's just launch off in a side direction here for just a second. If you're considering buying a big launch product course, some guru that you're not real familiar with, but eh, he's got a cool website and some cool success stories on that website, some testimonials. I might buy his stuff. Man, he thinks he seems to know what he's talking about. And yeah, there's some testimonials and some pictures there of people that have bought. And, and a lot of other people in the industry are endorsing this dude, even though it's the same people. He endorses them every time they launch something too, which is kind of weird. And you've noticed that. But here's the gauntlet I'm throwing down. Here's the standard they need to meet. Don't give that clown a dime until he meets this standard. And here's the standard. Where, if he's so good at what he does, if he's so good at teaching people how to grow a business, and I tell my own readers this same thing, investigate, take your time. I'll be here six months from now. I'll be here five years from now. Good Lord willing, this is what I do. This is what I'm called to do with the rest of my life as a business is help entrepreneurs succeed. And if I'm good at it at all, shouldn't there be an area online somewhere where all of my excited, happy, successful customers are gathered talking about how happy and successful they are because of what I taught them. I mean, come on, doesn't that just make sense, right? If I'm good at all at what I do and I've been doing it for a while. Now, if I'm brand new and I claim to be really good at what I'm doing, your response should be, uh, I'll wait, let's wait. If it's a good idea now, it'll still be a good idea six months or a year from now. I'm gonna see if you can grow an audience of successful people doing that new flash in the pan idea that you've got there, mister. That's fine, wait, take your time. If they don't come up with a big audience of successful, happy people, well, then you were right to ignore them. Okay, so if they're new, ignore them. If they're not new and they've been around a while doing this, your logical question should be, where is that audience gathered? Are they on Facebook? Maybe. Maybe you've got a, a support forum somewhere I could check out. Let me know where those people are all hanging out, excited. And I'm not talking about the week before and the three weeks after the big launch, because everyone's excited then. I'm talking about six months after their course hit. Who's talking about it? And I don't do big launches. This is why the Proven Amazon course is a perfect example. It's been around, I think, what, eight years now. We never had a big launch. We've just kind of let it out there. Anyone can buy it anytime they want. We keep improving the course. You buy it once, you get all future improvements. If you want to hear a bunch of people raving, excited about how successful they've been with that course and the value they get, jump into our Facebook group. That's where my community hangs out, talks about how successful these ideas are. So you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to believe the hype on the sales page. Just go check out the community of successful people. So before you invest in anyone, when it comes to online business education, go check out their community. And this is the reason I'm encouraging you to build a community. As you grow your email list, these are like-minded people. Your message resonates with them. Get them into a Facebook group. And specifically, yes, Facebook is the best way. And by the way, I'm writing a book on how to lead with depth in the shallow waters of Facebook, because it can be really hard being a true, genuine, successful, impactful leader when you're dealing with virtual relationships. And there's ways to do it right. And we've figured out a lot of this stuff with my moderation team. And I think we're doing a good job there. It's it's just a ravenous community. When we do a video, 7,500 people will watch it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's awesome. If you're not in there, jump in there. If that's the only reason you sign up for Facebook, it just might be worth it to jump into that community and see how helpful and genuine and supportive that community really is. We've got rules that intentionally make it supportive. I'll give you an example. And this is a rule you can use for your group when you have a Facebook group. 
And this is biblical. Remember, everything I do is bounced off of the Bible. Am I perfect at it? No. But I think it gives you a great guideline. And this helped us avoid some really huge mistakes that I see in other Facebook groups. And here's the biblical concept. You may not be aware of this, but biblically speaking, if you have a confrontation that you want to have with an individual, you do it in private, one-on-one. Never out in public where everyone can watch. That first confrontation is a very private thing, respecting the privacy of the other person, not pushing them to the point where they have to defend themselves publicly. You never force someone to have to defend themselves against an accusation publicly as your first interaction with them. It's just bad form. And it's a biblical truth. You could say it's common sense if you'd like, but I haven't seen a lot of other Facebook groups with this rule. So we introduce that rule into our community. If you want to confront someone, you do it privately. So if someone comes into our group and they want to confront another member and they want to say, hey, I noticed X, Y, I think you're wrong here. Why did you blah, blah, blah? We're like, nope, sorry, dude, delete. And we send him a nice, kind note that says, hey, you know, confrontations around here are done privately. So if you want to contact that person privately and work it out, that'd be awesome. But we don't allow public confrontation in our group. Just a biblical standard that we enforce. So what you end up with is, yeah, we have great debate and discussion on topics, but never personal attacks or confrontations. There's a difference between a discussion with different opinions and a confrontation. If you don't know the difference, it's probably a maturity issue that you need to deal with. Okay. But in our group, we understand that very, very well. There's a difference between an intelligent discussion and a confrontation. Confrontations are done privately. So, you know, we've got a list of some very different rules that we enforce that allows us to have 32,000 plus members in our Facebook group and a very supportive, caring air of cooperation and people rooting for each other. So if someone wants to apply my standard to me and say, okay, Jim, well, where are your successful, happy clients hanging out? They're talking about how great their business is going and sharing yet yeah, their, their challenges as well. Business is a challenge. You'll always have challenges. You'll always have things you're trying to overcome. So these people are hanging out, posting pictures of their new personal best months and sharing their heartbreaks and their failures. But there's an air of support there. So if the guru you're thinking of listening to or buying a course from, they don't have that kind of community feel, well, there's a reason something's broke. They should have a gathering of successful people who are excited about their concepts if they're any good at all. So don't follow anybody who doesn't have that. Why would you? Why take that risk? So I'm encouraging you, yes, start a Facebook group once your email list gets going, and then that will be a self-perpetuating. The Facebook group will feed your email list, your email list will feed your Facebook group, and the two kind of support, and it's this you know snowball effect where they both benefit the other, where both are growing faster than they would have if you'd have kept them separate. Okay, one of the other resources, now a lot of people who listen to this show, I've got a resource I want to tell you about if you sell on eBay or Amazon and you're thinking, oh man, I'm selling on Amazon, they won't let me grow an email list, what can I do? I wrote a blog post about this topic. Now on eBay, you can do some pretty creative things and grow an email list around your niche. On Amazon, they got it, as of this recording, they're locked down pretty tight. So with Amazon, your approach almost has to be, you have to grow your email list before. You can't sell widgets to people on Amazon and turn those people into subscribers. I mean, it's just, you know, Amazon is really locked down on that. You can put your website on your private label package. You know, you may have some people grow your list that way. And I've got a client of mine who had, he sold 20,000 plus units of his product in a single day, Q4, 2016. Yeah, just phenomenal success story. And one of the things I scrambled to get in place as it became obvious that his product was really taking off was, hey, you know, on your packaging, we really need to grow your email list. That's the long-term power here of what we're doing He's going to be with us in LA in February, by the way, too. If you're listening to this in real time, if you're not listening to it well after the fact, get on my mailing list, get in the Facebook group. We'll keep you up to date on these kinds of things, but he will be with us. But he grew a massive mailing list because of all this exposure he was getting. And yes, it was primarily through Amazon just by putting his website on his packaging. There are some things you can do, but basically Amazon doesn't like it when you take their clients and you try to send them an email and get them off of Amazon to do transactions. eBay doesn't like it either. And I'm not encouraging you to break any rules ever, but you do need to have an email list. That's how you protect yourself. So there's a blog post that I wrote. I'll put it in the show notes about eBay and Amazon email list growth, some things to consider and how to automate it on eBay. You can even grow multiple. Let's say you sell five different kinds of widgets on eBay. You can grow an email list for each one, depending on what kind of widget your customer buys. 
they're invited to a different email list automatically on autopilot. I put together, it's a free video that you can go watch. It's in the blog post that I'm referring to in the show notes. It tells you exactly how to set it up. So you can be growing an email list without violating eBay's policies if you happen to sell on eBay. A lot of people have liked that video. Okay, so I'm going to sum it up by repeating something I've already said a couple times. And if you got nothing else from today's broadcast, this is what needs to be in the back of your mind. Remember this, the number one asset you will ever have in any business, online or offline, any business, the number one asset is a list of people who can't wait to hear from them. A list of people who can't wait to see what you're going to do next, to read what you're going to write next. That is an asset that no one can take away from you. Facebook, PayPal, eBay, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Amazon. Do your worst. I've got a list of people who can't wait to hear from me and I've got it backed up. Yeah, I back up my email list. You can download it anytime you want and back it up. And I've got a lot of other contact information for a lot of these people too, by the way. If I'm going to send them postcards, I can. But they've given me their contact information and said on autopilot through these opt-in forms that we have all over the internet as my business has grown, multiple people every day saying, yeah, Jim, when you have interesting information, send it my way. Just like they would say to any friend that they trust, which is what I want to be to you. And I want to encourage you to do for your business. That's how you build a long-term stable business online. Email marketing needs to be a part of what you're doing. Hey, I'll wrap it up here. SilentSalesMachine.com is where you can go to grab my book for five bucks. That's the price right now. It might change in the future, but that gets you my email list building course. That $100 course where you get inside of my head for six hours in a much more methodical fashion, I might point out, because I know I kind of bounced around today. This was just like a conversation between friends about email marketing, and hopefully I've convinced you you need to look into it a little bit more or have someone on your team look into it a little bit more. And the place to start is probably AWeber. You know, I got the link again in the show notes for AWeber, which is, you know, you've got constant contact and get response and these other services, right? But AWeber is my favorite that I used for years, have an affinity for them. But I think I'm going to sign off right now, leave you to it. Until next time, I can't wait to talk to you again. Jump over to silentgym.com and let me know if there's a topic you want to talk about. Leave me some feedback and please, please, please subscribe to the show. Jump over to iTunes on any PC or Mac. Download iTunes. It's free. Find this show, Silent Sales Machine Radio. Subscribe and leave me a review. I would so appreciate that. That really helps us out a ton. Thank you so much for that. And until next time, God bless you. Make it a great week. Can't wait to do this again. See you soon.